think my superpower is the ability to connect consumers with dentists, if that makes sense. So I have a, a, a really good knack of when we meet with a new client, understanding who it is specifically they need, they want to market to. You heard me talk about this earlier in terms of creating a new patient avatar. It's one of the first things that we do with a campaign. We really dive into with the client exactly who is it that you want to walk through your door, right? And you can do this with any local business. Who is your ideal client? If you could pick what what are they what are they are they the 25 to 35 year old female with two and a half kids and a golden retriever you know is it the 45 to 65 year old that owns their own you know whatever it may be and we have a really good track record here of being able to come up with those profiles and then putting our clients message in front of those exact demographics um and that is really what i think anyway is what makes for a very productive, efficient, and uh, uh, very revenue happy um, type of marketing campaign. Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I have on the line Chris Pistorius. We're glad to have you here. Where are you calling in from? Uh, we're just south of Denver, a little little town called Castle Rock. Castle Rock. I have... Is that is Castle Rock the little town that has the uh, that really cool um, like indoor-outdoor playground with the gigantic yeah. slide? Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, we, uh, we went there with our kids when we drove through Denver um, a couple of years ago. Oh, so cool. I, yeah. I've been yeah. to Castle Rock. Nice. Uh, Small world. Yeah. Well, my, my wife and I travel full time. So we've been to all, all 48 states um, as of a couple of months ago, actually. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so my audience who's been following around with our journeys, we are officially back in Florida and stuck here until for the foreseeable future, we're working on buying a sailboat to, uh, to travel more in the future, but that's our next sort of goal. Wow. How are you <laughs> going to do these from a sailboat? I haven't figured that out yet. I'm really <laughs> hoping Starlink will solve all of my Starlink, problems. Yeah, but... we've got Starlink. I, I think I got an email recently that it's mobile now. You can move it around, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can get an RV version of it, which yeah. like I'm using, I'm using a ridiculously fancy uh, commercial router for tour buses that has like multiple SIM card slots on it. It's really cool. So I like, I actually don't need Starlink most of the time, but it would be nice to add to my kit. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, before we get too far into this, I want to give a brief introduction to you so my audience knows who you are. So I'm going to read your, uh, your bio here. Chris Pistorius, founder of Kickstart Dental Marketing. Um, and you specialize in dental marketing, other medical professionals um, and marketers, entrepreneurs and businesses can all learn from your digital marketing experience. You've been in the business for over 15 years, worked with countless local business owners in all industries across multiple facets of marketing, consulting and coaching. 
Um, and you've been able to build your local digital marketing agency into one of the top marketing agencies in the country as listed on Upsity, SEO for Growth, Design Rush, Expertise, and Agency Vista. That's pretty cool. Um, I've actually not heard of that last one. Yeah. yeah, Expertise and Agency Vista. Um, but yeah, so why don't we to start this off, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, uh, what it is that you are known for? Like, what's your business do? And, um, you know, who do you serve? What do you do for them? Well, honestly, the the bottom line is to make sure that our clients are found and chosen when somebody in their market is looking for a new dentist. And <clears throat> really, a lot of what I talk about today is going to apply for not just dentistry, but really any small or you know local medium sized business that's looking to, you know, maybe bring in more new patients or clients or customers or whatever they may call them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so, how long have you been working specifically in the dentistry niche? Yeah, a little over 13 years. I'm kind of dating uh, myself here, but <laughs> yeah, I actually I got into digital marketing, I don't know, five or six years ago. We did it for about a year and then I didn't particularly like the space, so I left it. But <laughs> yeah. um not really grass is greener on the other type side kind of thing, but more like I just didn't didn't enjoy the I didn't enjoy the copywriting and the marketing in the space. So I, you know, moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's important to do something that you're passionate about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it was definitely interesting because the uh the the dental space, there was a lot of I mean, you mentioned you're doing coaching and whatnot, of coaching and like, hey, if we bring in leads, what is your like your sales process and are you upselling them and doing, you know, you know, actually making the most out of the leads that come through? And it's it's interesting because they like they they learn to be great dentists in dental school, but they do not learn how to be good business owners, um, right. which is, you know, that's the whole e-myth thing. And it it requires someone like you or myself or other agencies to come in and, and teach them that side of running a dental practice. Yeah, without question. I mean, even other industries in, than dentistry, I mean, that's why most small businesses fail. It's because they're good at, you know, fixing cars or being an attorney or whatever it may be. But they don't really know anything about marketing or running a business in general, HR, payroll, you know, stuff like that. And that's usually what catches up to them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, um, hardcore learning in learning phase for HR and payroll because our agency <laughs> is growing. I'm like, that's a, it's a whole different skill. <laughs> yeah. We just hired a, uh, I guess you call it a fractional uh, HR <clears throat> admin to uh, take care of new hires and paperwork and any disciplinary actions and stuff like that. So I just, I'm not an HR person. I don't enjoy it and I'm not good at it. So <laughs> yeah, but you have to learn all those things to get good at it. So you yeah, you got to learn it before you can hire for it. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Typically that's how it works. So that's what, that's what I'm doing. I was getting my hands dirty in it. So eventually I can take it off my plate and give it to someone else. So I can actually like speak the language. Yeah, um, I think but, it's, you know, it's you make a list when you start a business of, you know, everything that you do and the things that you don't like to do are the first things you can hire for once you get to that, the appropriate revenue levels, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's actually like where, where I'm at too, is like trying to figure out like, what is the revenue level that's like, okay, now we can hire for this position or not, right? Because <laughs> yep. like, as soon as you hire for that position, it goes from, you know, being revenue that you might be able to put in your profit account to revenue that's going to be going into your payroll account instead right because and you have to shift that and know when it makes sense to do all of that it's yep. it's a learning experience for sure yeah it's uh you know we follow the philosophy of hire slow and fire fast right yeah especially in the agency world because you know things it's like any business i guess this can be a roller coaster and you don't want to hire people if you're not going to have enough for them or you're going to have to unfortunately let them go you know so you gotta definitely planning is key 
Yeah, absolutely. So what I want to sort of start the interview off with, kick off with, is your origin story, right? Every uh, every good comic book hero has an origin story. Um, it's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. Um, we want to hear that story. What made you want to get into marketing in the agency world? Um, you know, were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to uh, become a digital <laughs> marketer? Or did you start in a job and eventually become an entrepreneur? Essentially, what was the story? How did you get here? Yeah, well, I uh, I was a journalism major in college and um, kind of started my advertising career, if you will, selling ads in the local newspaper. So that kind of got me started. And I figured out pretty quickly that I didn't want to be a journalist. I wanted to make money because <laughs> there's not a lot of money in you know, writing articles and things like that. So um, I got into advertising that way and um, you know, got into telecom somehow for a while and bounced out of that and then got back into marketing. And I've, yeah. I've worked for a couple of pretty big uh, marketing companies over the years, uh, AOL back in the day, if anybody remembers that. It's basically the Google of the world back in, you know, I don't know how many years ago. Um, worked for Spotrunner, Dex, just a lot of different local marketing type companies as well. And what I'd found is, <clears throat> you know, 20 years ago or, or whatever, for a small business or a local business, marketing was really much simpler than it is now. I mean, you could do direct mail, maybe, you know, do an ad in the newspaper, uh, yellow pages, you know, whatever it may be, and you, it would work pretty well for a business. Well, then along comes the internet. Right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> now there's, you know, a thousand different places a local business could spend money in marketing just online. <clears throat> and what I'd found is business owners were completely confused by this and they didn't know what to do. They knew they needed to be on the Internet. They knew they needed a website, but they didn't know where specifically um, they needed to do anything. And what we'd found is, you know, some companies would just waste a ton of money and it would hurt them. And, you know, even it. it hurt some businesses to the point of uh, they went out of business. Yeah. Um, and others would just kind of put their head in the sand and do nothing, which is about as bad because then you're letting your competition, if they do figure it out, get ahead of you and, and, and get market share. And we're seeing that a lot in dentistry is that the older guard, if you will, of dentists, you know, have always relied on, you know, patient referrals and they haven't had to do a lot of marketing but now they're starting to get passed up by newer practices that are engaging in digital marketing and being more aggressive and, you know, going after that new patient base. And so people are now finding these newer dentists versus the people that have been there for a while. And, and your younger audience is definitely going to be looking exclusively online. You better believe it. Yeah. So what worked for them, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago isn't working now. And they call us and they're like, hey, what's going on? What can we do? And I'm like, well, we gotta, we've got to get you more involved, you know, online. So yeah. um, I say, if you look generationally too, like gen the millennial generation and Gen Z, they're all coming into their money spending years, right? right. Uh, and so that's, you know, they're having their kids and they're bringing them to the dentist and they're looking yeah. for their first dentist that's mom and dad aren't paying for and all that kind of stuff. And they're not going to approach it the same way that the previous generation did. Yep, you've got it. So, you know, kind of circling back, I saw all this going on in marketing and, you know, I saw a big need for somebody to come in and, you know, kind of untangle the web for them a little bit so that, you know, they can figure out, you know, where they need to spend their money and, you know, what needs to happen and what, what constitute, how do you track it, right? How do you know that you're making money? Because, you know, they were used to, you know, page 762 in the yellow pages is their ad. They could see it, they could feel it, they could pick it up. 
and it was good to go. Well, now you're in the, this world of digital advertising where nothing's tangible. You know, you don't see your ads yeah. all the time, you know, um, nothing's static. And, and it's like, and if you're not in the target market of the ads that you're targeting, you might not be able to see your ads other than just the demos of them. That's right. So, yep. So I decided to start my own uh, 13 or 14 years ago now. Um, basically started with a blank piece of paper, no clients, nothing left a cushy, you know, nice job and two young kids at the time. And, uh, my wife going, are you nuts? <laughs> and, uh, but I knew that there was a need, you know, and I kind of started as a consultant taking on all niches, right. I would auto yeah. mechanic lawyer, basically whoever would pay me. Right. And, you know, I quickly <laughs> found out, <laughs> yeah, I give a heartbeat and a credit card is all I needed. And sometimes a heartbeat isn't even required, but no, just kidding. It's like if your um, credit card still worked, we could yeah, do Yeah, right? <laughs> just kidding. Just bad joke. But um, what I, I did that for about a year was kind of serving all niches and we were successful at it. I mean, we, we brought on clients and started revenue, hired a couple people. But I, I had this sense that, you know, when we would take on a new industry, like an auto mechanic, for instance, we have to figure out the lingo in, in the auto industry. We have to understand the pain points that our clients have, who their, who their clients are, you know, who is their, you know, pay or like patient, who is their customer avatar, right? What, how do we figure out how to get to that avatar? And sometimes when we took on a new industry, by the time we figured it out, it was almost too late. And, you know, that's when I, I knew maybe sometimes we weren't giving justice to our clients. And so that's when we said, you know what, we need to niche down. And I had a mentor of me at the time uh, of mine at the time, still a mentor of mine called Josh Nelson. And he was a big believer in niching down in a marketing agency, become a true expert in whatever you're doing. And it took some convincing from me, um, but then that's when we niched down into dentistry. And the reason we picked dentistry was basically because we had five or six dentists at the time and um, they were easy to work with and, and we got great results for them. They paid their bills, which was always nice. And, you know, it just seemed like the, the sensible thing to do. And so that's what we did. And we did, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we just kind of went into it and, and here we are today. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty awesome. I know we've been, um, I didn't went through the same thing. That's why I, we tried to niche down in there. Actually, we ended up, um, niching down differently, um, in our business. We didn't niche into a specific, um, category, but into a specific type of service. Um, okay. that's the, you know, that's why you know, we got into the podcasting agency and we work, we work across industries, but we only do one thing <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's the one thing we do really well. Um, so, uh, and it does, it does work really well for, um, for that, but it's, 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 e it's certainly easier than we were when we were trying to do all of the things yeah. for different people. Um, then you have one thing that like, Hey, we've gotten really good at this thing and we can build all the resources and the templates and the onboarding and the processes around that one, one area. Right. So, yeah. Um, so you definitely have been in the game for a while um, doing the marketing thing. I know for me, when I first got into uh, got into marketing, it was there was like a, a light switch moment where I was like, I realized that if I was going to spend my time and effort getting good at something, I wanted to get good at something that would always be needed. Right. Um, like no matter what was happening um, to me, it seemed like marketing was the one thing that I would always businesses would always need help with. Like we were all, always going to have businesses and they were always going to need to do marketing. Yep. Um, and I was like, that's the place for me because like, it, it's never going to go out of style. It's going to change. Right. You have to grow with it. There's a lot yeah. of things that are happening, but fundamentally everyone, everyone needs marketing all the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's purposely why we didn't put, you know, 
you see some companies out there, you know, digital marketing, SEO, PPC. And, you know, I kind of think you pigeonhole yourself sometimes in marketing if you do that, because we don't know what's around the corner. I mean, right now it's Google and digital marketing, but tomorrow it could be something completely different. So we tried to stay away from calling ourselves a specific like SEO or digital or, you know, so that we can, we can change with the market. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to talk then a little bit about your superpower that you've developed over the course of growing your agency, right? Every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's, you know, their fancy flying suit made by their genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. Um, Your superpower is really what sets you apart in this world and allows you to, you know, get wins for your clients or for your, your, your customers. Um, And the way I like to frame it for my guests is you probably have a set of skills that you've developed over the course of your career. And there's a common thread that sort of like ties all those skills together. And that common thread is probably where your superpower is. So with that framing, what do you think your superpower is in um, the growth of your digital agency? I think my superpower is the ability to connect consumers with dentists, if that makes sense. So I have a, a, a really good knack of when we meet with a new client, understanding who it is specifically they need, they want to market to. You heard me talk about this earlier in terms of creating a new patient avatar. It's one of the first things that we do with a campaign. We really dive into with the client exactly who is it that you want to walk through your door, right? And you can mm-hmm. do this with any local business. Who is your ideal client? If you could pick what what are they, what are they? Are they the 25 to 35 year old female with two and a half kids and a golden retriever? You know, is it the 45 to 65 year old that owns their own, you know, whatever it may be? And we have a really good track record here of being able to come up with those profiles and then putting our clients message in front of those exact demographics. Um, And that is really what I think anyway, is what makes for a very productive, efficient, and um, uh, very revenue happy um, type of marketing campaign. So like really narrowing down on the, the person that you want to be speaking to. Yeah, I mean, most of my competition, man, I'll tell you, and I don't you know, I don't know your experiences with this, but a lot of our competition will, they build out a dental marketing campaign, let's say, right? And mm-hmm. they use that exact same campaign every time they sign on a dentist, right? Or a, an auto mechanic, or they have these templates. And the reason they do that is so that they can scale quickly and they can bring on clients very quickly. And so there's not a whole lot of customization in their marketing campaigns. And so what happens is sometimes, yeah, they, they work, but a lot of times they don't, right? And so every time we take on a new client, we're not looking to have a thousand clients here. In fact, we only take on a certain number of new clients every year, and we only work with one client in each market. So we try to stay more of a boutique, smaller agency so that we have the time to actually customize each one of our clients' campaigns based on what they do well and based on who it is they want to bring into their practice. So um, I know one of the things we talk in marketing all the time is the idea of the market message match, right? And so you're talking about really nailing down the market all right, and like who the person is. And then I would imagine the message is like the offer that they're, that the, um, the agent or sorry, that the dentist is, is putting in front of them. Have you, um, do you do a lot of customization on the offers or do you find that the same type of offers, like just as an example, teeth whitening as a, as a front end campaign or something work in lots of markets or do you have to customize those as well? We have to customize them for a couple of different reasons, not just because of what works, but also some of our dentists don't want to um, 
we take on a lot of higher end offices, if you will. So they're not, they want to come across as high quality, um, high end cosmetic type dentists. And sometimes if you try to throw an offer out there on that, it, it kind of lessens the brand a little bit. So we have to be super sensitive again. To, yeah. I, again, I keep bringing up this new patient avatar, but that really tells us the story. I mean, if it's a smaller practice that takes, you know, all kinds of insurances and, you know, they're trying to do volume. Absolutely. Offers are great, but there's some in our industry that are higher end They're fee for service. So they don't really are in network with any insurances and we have to be sensitive to that. So we customize it based on what works because we've got tons of data and, you know, we're running all these campaigns and we know what works and what doesn't, but sometimes it's not, it's up to the client too, of, of, you know, what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. And then so I would imagine, depending on what the offer is, you're going to have a lot of like differences in like how, how readily they convert into like front end leads. Yeah. Um, so, and I assume because you've got a lot of data behind that, you can set expectations with your clients accordingly be like, hey, this offer is going to, you know, only convert it like maybe 1% versus this other offer that might convert at 10. But I know you don't want to be in that space kind of thing. Exactly. And, you know, back in the day, Groupon was supposed to be the next, you know, like, and I even fell into that trap too. I'm like, why didn't I think of this? This is awesome way for a business to market Groupon offers. Right. And I'm not saying they're terrible, but it never really took off the way that it intended to. Um, yeah. And the reason for that is that once somebody signs up for a Groupon, if you guys don't know how this works, basically a percentage of anything you sell through Groupon goes back to Groupon. That's how they make money. And then you make the rest. The problem is that by the time you pay Groupon and you're already giving, you know, whoever it is a special offer, you're probably going to lose money on the deal or break even at the best. Well, what we yeah. found out and what marketers found out is that Groupon did not build very good customer loyalty. So people are just looking for great deals, right? Well, these businesses are banking on them coming in, getting the Groupon deal. And then they, you know, a certain percentage of them, hopefully a high percentage will stay as long-term customers and keep coming back. Well, that didn't happen. Yeah. And so what's happening, you lose, it's a, you know, a loss lead and these customers don't come back because they're just going to the next offer in my space. It's free whitening or a free x-ray or free cleaning. They're not loyal. They're just looking for the next great deal. And so we found that that Groupon type offers, you know, whether it's through Groupon or not, if you try to give the farm away, yeah, you'll get some response from it, but you better make sure that you're keeping those customers coming back or you're going to, it's going to cost you in the long run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know it because um, back in the day, we tried some of those campaigns too, and they do work. Sure. Um, but, and, yeah. but the, the type of people that you attract with a good deal are the kind of people who are looking for a good deal. That's right. Uh, right. And so you have to learn how to, how do I write and put my marketing, my offers together? So we're attracting people who are looking for the best service, That's right? right? Which is a different type of customer. Yep. You got it. So... Um, so that's, it's definitely interesting. I think, um, if anyone is, is in, you know, talking about superpowers, I always used to call marketing, the superpower of marketing is, a um, is like being alchemy, um, you know, cause you can, uh, it's, you can turn words into gold, right? Right. Just like they used to turn whatever, I don't know, whatever alchemy tried to do, they turned, tried to turn other things into gold, but it's, that's your superpower is, is you can turn words into gold by putting that, you know, putting the market and the message together and putting offers together and building them. Right. Absolutely. So curious question on that, because you're an agency and I imagine you're trying to grow, 
how do you transfer that skill to other people on your team so that you're not the one who's always having to come up with offers? Because that that's the kind of thing that takes a lifetime to learn. Yeah. So it's for us, it's all about processes and procedures and documenting everything. Right. So, you know, at the beginning it was me. Right. And I would just, yeah. I would try to document everything that I did, you know, cause at the beginning I did everything. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, we document We try to anyway, document every job that's in our agency. So the pay-per-click person, I mean, literally I could bring, you have to know pay-per-click, but the goal would be to bring any pay-per-click person into our agency and they can easily see our process and procedure and know exactly what it is, how we do things and what offers we use. And if it's this type of client, you use this type of offer and things like that. So it's almost, it's training process procedures. You know, there's no magic pill. There's no easy way, Um, but that's how you you scale responsibly. So I've, I've discovered, and I don't know if this is, you found this to be true or not, but when it comes to documenting processes, I've found that actually the most important part of the process that you're documenting is not the actual step one, do this, step two, do this mm-hmm. thing, but it's the why. Why do we yeah. take these steps and why do we do them in this order? Because if you teach right. them the thinking behind the process, then you end up with people who can you right. know, operate the process at a higher level and see when there's problems and see when they can make improvements and things like that, as opposed to someone who's just you know, checking off the boxes, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to talk about the flip side then of your superpower. So if your superpower is, is developing the uh, the offers um, and getting right into the uh, the market, the flip side of that would, of course, be the fatal flaw. Just like, you know, Superman has his kryptonite or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. You probably have something that has held you back in the growth of your business, something that you struggled with. For me, I struggled for a long time with perfectionism, which, you know, kept me from like wanting to bring things to market because I always make it a little bit better before I actually made an offer to a client. And then you realize that you're not actually doing anything. Um, And I also struggled with self-care for a long time, which means I had no good boundaries with my clients. I had no good boundaries with my time. Um, I once tried not sleeping for three days to see if I could work all the way through that. That doesn't go well, just FYI. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. I learned a lot from those things um, and I no longer have, uh, I still struggle with them a little bit, but the, uh, um, I, I imagine sharing a little bit of what you have learned from your fatal flaw might help our audience learn from your experience. Yeah, I think it's somewhat similar to what you just described. Um, you know, when I first started out, I just kind of created a job for myself. I didn't yeah. really create a company if that makes sense. So, you know, when you, when you just create a job for yourself, you're doing all the work in the company, right? And um, when you build a business, you have a team of people that are actually running the company while you're working on the company, right? That's an e-myth thing, right? Um, So my biggest thing, struggles, I knew I needed to do that, but was kind of letting go and letting, trusting other people to take over things like account management, for instance, or pay-per-click ads or SEO, right? Things like that. Um, it was very hard for me in, to let that go and let somebody else just handle it, right? So kind mm-hmm. of letting go. And, you know, I had to also learned what you, I had to learn what you just brought up was we, cre- I don't know if we created this or where I heard it, but um, done is better than perfect, right? Yeah. And I got caught up in that too. Whereas, you know, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing anything until I felt like it was absolutely perfect. And guess what? It's never absolutely perfect, right? So I, I kept preventing like launching new products and services 
before I thought it was absolutely perfect and it just doesn't work because you don't, you can't get to perfection first of all, but you can't even get close to perfection until you actually launch something and see how it goes right. and Go to the make it better. Yeah, exactly. And that still haunts me a little bit today. I mean, we're getting ready to launch a, what we call a concierge service where, um, you know, one of the fatal flaws of my clients, unfortunately, while we bring this up is that sometimes their front desk staff, um, just isn't trained on how to be, how to be good at like scheduling new patients, right? They're not salespeople and it's not really a sales thing, but it's a, you know, they're just not trained in how to actually get patients excited about the practice and schedule with them. Right. And so we lose a lot of leads sometimes from clients because they don't, they're not good at, at selling, if you will. Um, so we're going to launch this concierge service where we can actually be the we'll actually follow up with the leads. We'll answer the phones. We'll actually get them scheduled with our practices. And um, I'm still tweaking that. And I'm still kind of like, you know, I shouldn't launch this yet because it's not perfect. So I still catch myself doing that every once in a while. But I would say those two things are kind of my biggest flaws. And I, my, uh, my light bulb moment actually came from a uh, mastermind member of a um, friend of mine. Um, when I was talking, we were talking about the struggling with perfection and she said something to me that really struck home. Um, she said, uh, essentially perfection is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to. Hmm. Uh, and she's like, because it doesn't exist. And yes. so you're holding yourself to a standard that doesn't exist. So you're not holding yourself to any standard at all. Yeah. Um, and that was like a light bulb moment for me. And I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you're not holding yourself to any standard. Um, then you, cause you're not actually going to market. And so, um, so I had, you have to shift your mindset a little bit into what is, you know, minimum viable product, right? What can I actually bring to market? That's going to work and get the result that I want for my clients. And then we can iterate from there. Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it sounds like it, it's, it's, it's interesting how common that struggle comes up in these interviews. Um, perfectionism in particular seems to be a very common thing for entrepreneurs. And I think a lot of it has to go back to something we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, but how important integrity is to entrepreneurs. Yes. Uh, and we feel like, like the best way to have integrity is to have perfection, perfect products. So I'm not sure why we have that sort of like misconnection in our head, but it seems very common. Right. Yeah. I, d I don't know what it is either. I'd love to, f I wish there was a pill for it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> then we could just solve it yeah uh, right. so speaking of things that you might wish you had a pill for i want to talk a little bit about your common enemy right every um uh superhero has an arch nemesis right it's the thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world mm. uh, and in the world of business we like to put it in the context of your clients and it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you have to fight to overcome every time they saw it on that sign on that dotted line that if you had a magic wand and you could just bop them on the head and not have to deal with that flaw what is the common enemy in the dental marketing space you know i have to say it's probably um expectations yeah what we see sometimes, and we, we do a much better job of this now than we used to, but we find that no matter what you do during the sales process of trying to tame expect, because everybody that does marketing, they want results immediately, right? I mean, they want, they want instant results. And sometimes when you tell them, and we've, we've turned down a lot of clients for this reason, when you do marketing the right way, it's not always a sprint. It's more of a marathon and yeah, things are going to... I mean, everybody's in a different state of where their marketing is. So, you know, no matter what we tell people, we're like, you know, you need 90, 120 days, maybe even 180 days, depending on the client to really feel the full breadth of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. And then 30 days later, it's like, 
wait, where's all my, where's all my new patients? Where's all my leads? They kind of forget, you know, those expectations. And I think there's a lot of external reasons for that, right? There's, you know, they're starting to pay that monthly bill now and they're like, Oh, what am I getting out of this? You know um, where, where's my money going? It's kind of like buyer's remorse. Right. And um, so I think that, you know, if, if I had a magic wand, I would just, I would want to wave it over some clients and just make sure that they have to be patient and that, you know, great marketing campaigns don't happen overnight. And then sometimes it takes a few months for it to actually, you know, really feel the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it's a really interesting thing we have to deal with in the podcasting space too, is this idea that like, I'm going to start a podcast today and tomorrow I'm going to be famous. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, and I have to spend a lot of time at the beginning. I'm like, listen, podcasting and content marketing in general, because that's, we use podcasting as a uh, leverage point to get into all sorts of content marketing. um, Because you can create long form podcasts like this one and then split it up and use it for all sorts of other uh, content marketing materials, which is really effective but it's not really effective tomorrow. It's not really right. effective six months down the line. But right. if you do it consistently for two years, you become unignorable in your marketplace. Absolutely, you build right? authority. Every, everyone, everyone everywhere sees you all the time, right? That's right. Um, Omnipresence, it's, we like to call that. Yeah, it's a, long-term, it's a long-term play. And so like, I try to tell people, like I've got my podcast, this one that you're on now, and people ask me like, so how did yours work? And I'm like, well, the first year we had to fight tooth and nail to get guests, right? <laughs> right um and it was a lot of work and it was a lot of effort and the second year it was a little bit easier but the third year i've got so many people knocking on my door to come get on my show that we don't even guest reach out anymore right right but that it's a long-term play yeah i've got a question for you kind of off topic really quickly but um do you feel as though with podcasting you always have to have a guest or can you just do like a topic by yourself sometimes so we actually, most of our clients do topic-based shows. I think okay. topic-based shows are both easier to do and more effective if you're trying to build authority in your marketplace. I agree. Um, and the um, this is the only reason I do this show this way is because I have a particular message I'm trying to get across, which is that sure. you know entrepreneurs are uh, are not villains; they're actually heroes, and change the <laughs> conversation around that. Um, but yeah, so so um, this is the harder way to do it is to have an interview show. But so um, what's really what's really effective is to have like say you're doing a weekly show. If you were to do like you know three weeks of your month is all content that you're doing directly, and then maybe the fourth week if you want to bring in a guest expert to talk about something else that's also effective um where you can you know you can break up the content types a little bit by having guest guest experts come in and talk about things but as far as like the authority-based stuff i have a friend of mine not a client of mine but he's a friend of mine who was running a podcast um in his local area as a chiropractor um and all the other chiropractors hated him because he was like he's like he he he, he had all the market share and he didn't have to do any other marketing because yeah. he'd been doing it for so long that anytime someone was like, I need a chiropractor in this city, they were like, talk to this guy. He's everywhere all the time yep. <laughs> and is always teaching me cool things about, you know, like exercises I can do at home and other things. And when they need a chiropractor, they always call him first. That's right. right? Uh, so all of his other marketing, like the stuff that you would do yeah. is more effective yeah. um, because, yeah, because Absolutely. he's in the yeah. content marketing. Yeah, we're just, you know, it's funny because we're just now starting to incorporate podcasting to our clients. So it's part of our service and Mm -hmm. we're still trying to figure that out a little bit, but you know, I've got a podcast and so we start them off on that, you know, to kind of get them feeling for it and, you know, it gives me some, you know, easy uh, targets to, to interview. Um, But, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, how can we get them like maybe on a quarterly basis, 
you know, interviewed by other podcasts in the health realm, and then take those podcasts, we got all time, kinds of content, and we can cut them up into social media ads, we can put them onto the website, it builds crazy authority, you know, so I think that, you know, you're right, you know, when you can do podcasting, and, and you can build authority, and it's that omnipresence of your everywhere, you know, that's just gold. And it, it's just, you know, there's no magic button that it won't, ha- it won't happen fast. But, you know, absolutely, it's an incredible marketing venue, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so if you're, if you're interested, I could give you later our, uh, like how we build like a year's worth of content for a client, um, so they can yes. actually sit down and record all that stuff, super useful things to uh, yes. help grow, um, grow that content base. Because like, I, I've noticed the hardest things for clients when they get into podcasting is like, I don't know what to say. Right. Like, like right. What, what I actually get in and talk about. And then like, when I actually record an episode, what I say on the episode, and then like, how do I make sure I look nice? Right. When I record something. Right. Um, and then like, if you can solve those couple of problems, those are the kind of things that stop people from starting. That's right. Um, yep. So you got it. Yeah, uh, cool. And then like, we always, I always tell people there's three ways to, uh, to, you know, to get your offers in front of people. Like you always have to have an audience, right? You can either buy an audience, you can borrow an audience, you can build an audience. And so like your ads and stuff is buying audience and borrowing audience is like, you know, what you coming on my podcast is a form of borrowing audience. You're borrowing my audience to talk about your business Um, or like Jake partnerships, the chiropractor who talks to the, uh, um, the massage therapist and says, Hey, will you give a hundred dollar coupon to all your clients? And I'll give a hundred dollar coupon to all your clients. That's borrowing audience or building your own, which is building a platform, right? Like building your own podcast and video show and creating all of the content that goes into it. And I always tell my clients, have a strategy in all three of those areas, Right. right? Um, so it, it makes for a good tentpole of actually getting right. an audience. or buy and borrow in the beginning. And then as you're building up your own, you know? Yeah. 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 So I was like, they sort of go like from left to right buy is the fastest, yeah. but it's also the most expensive. Yeah. Um, and then the build is, is the uh, slowest, yeah. but it's also the most effective. Yep. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. I, I hear you. And we try to, you know, when our marketing strategies, we try to incorporate things that are faster, right? And then uh, and can my business paid advertising is quick, right? Reactivation right. campaigns are quick. Um, but what's longer is SEO, building brand awareness, building authority, you know, same, same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the coolest thing about the content marketing is it makes really, really good content for ads. So Absolutely. if you do it, you've got great content to um, promote things. We, uh, we teach a, a butterfly net strategy that, um, that you can use with content. But anyways... It's like we're, we're <laughs> there's all sorts of cool things you can do with that. But yeah, the uh, the first part of that is is you know the common enemy is the expectations and learning how to set the expectations for the different types of marketing you're doing. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it doesn't really seem to matter. It's always a rough conversation of like, hey, the expectations, and they're like, you know, especially when you're doing something like content marketing where you're paying a service to help them do it for you. Right. Um. It's rough to be like, hey, this this costs me time and money every month. Um. But it takes a while to build. Right. Right. Um, and so you have to, you have to build those expectations in. Absolutely. And we created a roadmap actually that shows kind of the first 90 days of the campaign and what they can expect in those 90 days. And that seemed to have helped quite a bit. And so every time one of our account managers speaks with the client, they always have that roadmap up and they kind of, you know, check mark things. Okay, here we're on track, here we're on track. So that it kind of reinforces, oh yeah, I remember seeing that in the sales process, right? So yeah. that, that's helped quite a bit too. Makes sense. So I'm gonna talk about the flip side of your common enemy, right? So if your common enemy is what you fight against, then the flip side of that is your driving force, what you fight for. 
Um, so, you know, just like uh, Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for at Kickstart Dental, your mission, so to speak? Yeah, so we fight for our clients, first of all. And what I mean by that is that this industry, as you probably well know, my industry is plagued by scam artists, companies that promise uh, the world for a very small amount of money, typically, and people sign up with them. And by the time people, our clients figure out that it's a scam or they're not really doing much, and they're not getting anything out of it, that they've lost you know, thousands of dollars sometimes. And this online digital marketing agency world is, you know, anybody with a laptop can, in a Google ads account can say they're a digital marketer, right? And so my, what I fight for is to make sure that people know the truth and they know the difference between fly-by-night operations that are just looking to make a quick buck and quality agencies like mine that are actually trying to help a dentist grow, how to make, how increase the bottom line so that it, you know, it can help their personal lives. They can spend more time with their family. They can go on more vacations. Those are the things that an agency should really be concerned about, not where your credit card go through every month, right? Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that, that I try to fight for. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting because like, there's a lot of people that teach digital marketing as like, yeah. you know, hey, you can start an agency and make money. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool thing that happens. It gives a lot of competition in the space and there's a lot of good agencies that have come from that kind of stuff, but it also, you end up with, you know, the 80, 20, 80% of the people who come in and get into the space are not, that's right. They're not good at it. Right. Um, and, and there's, there's a certain skill that comes with being able to put together messaging and understanding another person, um, and being able to put together that type of, you know, the type of marketing campaigns that you're talking about. Right. Um, and it's there, there's this whole, I don't know what the, the word might be called, like, you know, the cloak and dagger kind of thing that, you know, digital marketing is not something that everyone understands, right? Because right. a Google ads account is not easy, right? A Facebook no. ads account isn't easy. And writing no. a message that converts is not easy. And it's not easy to like explain to someone else either. So since, since that is the case, it's really easy for people who are not good at what they're doing to hide behind complexity. Right. And, and in, instead of standing in front of results, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, it's, I went through some of those programs of, you know, these uh, mentors that'll, you know, start a digital agency and you'll make money type of thing. And I went through some of those and you're right. Most of them are like that, but I did find one that was incredible. And that was the seven figure agency with Josh Nelson. Check yeah. him out if, if you want to, but he's legit. He actually runs a seven figure agency has been for years. He's in the plumber and HVAC niche. Um, and he also now has a training business um, with his partner that they actually train uh, agencies like myself on, you know, not just how to make money. I mean, you know, that's a business part of it, but like we all get together three times a year on strategies, like what's working for clients, what's not. And, you know, there's all kinds of different niches in his group, but, you know, we come away like the net last time I was there, the biggest takeaway for me was how TikTok is exploding in terms of not just for like teenage people, but, you know, the age of what people using TikTok now is hockey sticking up like Facebook did over time. TikTok is doing it rapidly. So an older audience now is starting to use more TikTok. And so TikTok ads, you know, we need to start testing that, incorporating that. So strategies, yeah. things like that, I think mentors can help a lot too. But you yeah, got to find TikTok the right is, one. 
TikTok is an interesting game. I've noticed like right now, cause it's still so new. There's a lot of people that are like, yeah, it's exploding, but also it's exploding, but it's not turning into like high quality leads yet. Right. Um, and well, so Facebook was like, like that though, too, in the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's yeah. going to be a whole site, a whole learning curve to that, that I think going right back to that expectations talk, if you're going to bring someone on and tell and say like, Hey, we'll help you with your TikTok ads at this point, it's going to be like, we're going to be experimenting with TikTok ads. And if you're right. willing to put money into experimentation, consider it research and development. It may or may not work. <laughs> right. Well, we, we try to things like TikTok and Facebook, we talk more about branding and we talk more about omnipresence, which I talked about before yeah. being everywhere all the time. And yet the TikTok ad, we may not see a conversion on it, but I can darn well promise you people are going to see your name out there. Right. Yeah. And there is a value to that. It's hard, It's not tangible. It's hard to say, Hey, you got this much money out of it, but there is the omnipresence is a real thing. And the more you can be out there, the most cost effectively, the better. Yeah. Everywhere all the time. That's why That's we right. do the podcasting stuff and cut exactly. the content out then you have content to feed into those places. That's right. So, yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit then about some practical things. I call this the hero's tool belt. And just like every uh, superhero has their batarangs or their web slingers or their magical hammers they can fly with. I want to talk about top one or two tools you couldn't live without to run your business. Could be anything from your marketing to your notepad, to your calendar, to something that you use for product delivery. Um, just something that you think is essential to getting your job done on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I've got a couple. One is called Loom. Are you familiar with Loom? I am familiar with Loom. Yeah. Loom's a video sharing service. It is. So you can quickly create a little video. You can even, you know, create it with a background or like somebody's website in the background and you're over the top of it. It's great for training. We do little short videos to potential clients sometimes saying, hey, do you know this page on your website isn't working properly? And then we send that off to them. Um, Loom is a great tool for a lot of different things. Um, ClickUp is a big one for us because that's what we do use for all of our project management. So yeah. everything that's task driven goes into ClickUp and it's our communication tool. Um, Help Scout is another one. That's how we do all of our client communication. So everybody in the company can see what everybody's saying to clients. Um, so that if somebody's out sick or, you know, somebody needs to pick up the ball and run with it, we know where we are with it. Um, geez, there's so many tools that we use. Um, yeah, we actually, we use ClickUp. We just switched yeah. all of our project management into ClickUp. I've been blown away by the uh, yeah. sheer power of that system and getting all of like your documentation built right into the, um, yeah. into the task processes and whatnot. Super cool. It is. It's a monster though. I mean, you got to, it can do a lot of things where we, we feel like we've been using it for years and there's still a lot of things that we don't know about it. So yeah, but I'd say those you are know, probably like, the top tools. I was like, one of the things that we just started doing is you said you're using Help Scout for client communication. We started building ClickUp dashboards for each client that have yeah. like a chat thing built in that have like the, the so you, yeah. each client has their own dashboard and they can see like our tasks and stuff that are, are on, on the board. They can't do anything with them unless we let them, but like they can have a chat that they can talk to our staff and who's on their project and everything. Yeah. Um, it's been very cool. Um, yeah. And it's, it's amazing because like a tool like that didn't exist 10 years ago, right? Or Oh no, and, not. It was Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, you can run your whole business out of these things now. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. 
I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now, back to The Hero Show. So I want to talk for a few minutes about maybe some of your own personal heroes. I know you mentioned one already, um, but, you know, every hero has their mentors. Frodo had Gandalf, um, you know, Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, even Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Um, I want to spend a few minutes talking about um, some of your heroes. Were they real-life mentors, you know, peers that were maybe a couple years ahead of you, um, or maybe speakers, authors? How important were they to what you have accomplished so far in your business? Yeah, well, definitely Josh Nelson from Seven Figure Agency is a big one in terms of business for sure. Um, you know, I, I think other than that, I've I've been influenced by weird things, really. What's the uh, I can, Entourage? Remember that TV show on HBO? It was a yeah, series, yeah. Entourage. For some reason, that show was really inspired me to do this. And, you know, if you remember, if you watch the show, I don't know if you did or not, it's about an actor and his entourage, but uh, his agent is, uh, runs an agency, a talent agency, really more than anything, public relations, stuff like that. And whatever it was about that show really got me motivated to do this. And <laughs> I have no idea why it's kind of embarrassing talking about it now, but I would say, um, cool. things like that. And just, you know, you know, owning an agency, owning any type of business is such a roller coaster. You know, I think in the low moments, you're always looking for something to inspire you, you know, and, you know, I think you can find inspiration from a number of different ways. I mean, just look, sometimes look at your competition, right? I like to go to my competitor's website sometime, you know, just see what they're doing, but just see, man, this, you know, this, this particular agency might be three times our size. I'm like, man, so it's, it's possible. Right. So yeah. I can see competition sometimes being a mentor. Isn't that crazy? Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, my family is a big mentor of mine, a big supporter, but, you know, Josh Nelson, our competition and the, and the show entourage. <laughs> I like, I like the uh, competition thing too. Cause I think yeah. a lot of times people think competition and they think negatively about competition and, I've always thought very positively about competition because competition is both, it's like an indicator that you're in a good space and a good business. Yeah. Uh, and right. especially if they're bigger than you, it's an indication that you have room to grow and the market right. can do that kind of stuff. Um, so I've always liked to refer to them instead of competition is co-opetition. <laughs> yes. I like that. That's, I might steal it. <laughs> yeah. 
Because um, honestly, even if you talk to people who are in your space competing with you directly, a lot of times they're just other entrepreneurs just like you trying to make make you know make a business work and provide value to the marketplace. And you'll find that you know there's ways that you can work together and make better services for both of your clients. So Absolutely. I'm friends with a lot of other dental marketing agencies of all different sizes. And we're always kind of like, you know what, there's a lot of dentists out there, you know, and what may not be a great fit for us. I mean, we, we have a pretty, we've got our own avatar and what's not a good fit for us. Sometimes I refer to our competition who might, you know, be looking for that type of a client. So, yeah, yeah. I've got a few, a few in the podcasting agent, uh, agency space too, that they're like, Hey, if you're looking to do this particular type of podcast, we're not your people, but these right. guys are. Yeah. Right. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk then about your um, your guiding principles, right? Um, so one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code, mm. right? For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever puts them in Arkham Asylum. So as we get to the uh, end of the interview here, I'm going to talk about the top maybe one, maybe two principles that you run your company by, live your life by. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first started your own agency 13 years ago. You know, I worked for some companies, big companies, marketing companies, where it wasn't all about the client. They said it was about the client, but really what it was about is increasing stock price and mm -hmm. how you increase stock prices by selling more, right? And to sell more, sometimes you just create new products and you don't really care if they work or if they don't work. And so when you work for companies like that, sometimes, you know, in the back of your mind, you're selling a small local business, something that might not work because it hasn't mm -hmm. been tested, but they're probably going to buy it because they trust you. And that, you know, it's new and flashy and, you know, big companies typically have, you know, shiny objects where they can make them look great. And so I think for me, probably it's, you know, our motto is leave our clients off better than when we found them. Right. Yeah. So that no matter what, right, we can look back and say, look, ABC Dental, you know, has twice the amount of web traffic they have. Their invisibility online is amazing we've left them off better than when they started, right? And make all the right decisions. And sometimes the right decisions lose us money. They do. We lose money sometimes on clients because yeah. we always try to do the right thing. And I've, I've always been a big believer that, and I'm not the only one that's ever thought of this, but do the right things for your clients and the money will come along, right? And that's what held us true. And that's why we stayed small and we didn't you know, get hugely big and we've had opportunities to expand, but we don't want to do that, right? We want to take care of our clients and make sure they're protected and that we leave them better off than when they started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I agree. We do the same kind of thing. And I love, I love the, uh, my, one of my first spiritual mentors, actually, one of the first principles that I, I remember learning and actually thinking of as a life principle when I was like 13 or 14 years old was leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And he always talked about that in terms of everything. Like if you go into a room and you use it for a meeting, you leave the room better than you found it. If you find a person on the side of the road and if you leave them with a smile, you left them better yeah. than you found them kind of thing. And um, I love that as a principle for your business, leave your clients better yeah. than you found them. Yep. So. Yep. Cool. Well, that I think is a great place to wrap our interview, but I do finish off every interview with something I call the hero's challenge. And I do this to help get access to interviews um, and stories we might not find on our own. Cause as you know, not everyone is out doing the podcast rounds like you and I are doing. Um, right. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network who you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the Heroes show? First person that comes to mind for you. Well, the first person you may have trouble getting, but we'll try. Mark Cuban. <laughs> Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah. So for me, the way he built kind of his company 
is is very inspiring to me because he has you know it's hard to explain but he kind of has this knock the door down keep trying don't give up sleep in your car if you have to sleep on the floor of an apartment whatever it takes to make sure that you're successful with your business and i think that kind of grit has been lost and maybe yeah. some of the younger generations that we're in right Whereas, you know, when I first started this business, it was just me and I just started walking into dental practices saying, hey, I'm Chris Pistorius. I know what I'm doing with marketing. Sign up and I'll, I'll bring you more new patients. You don't yep. see that much anymore. There's not any type of that beat cop type marketing. Whereas if you want to be successful, you've got to do whatever it takes legally to make it happen, right? And he was very much that way. And that's how he built his billions, right? And, you know, take Mark Cuban for what he is or if you're a Mavs fan or not, but that type of grit, I think is what it takes to be successful for a small business. And I'm just afraid that we're losing that right now. So that would be mine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if that's something that you can make an introduction for, that'd be great. If not, I'll we'll do see. my best. <laughs> <laughs> so in comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for, you know, the acts of heroism. As we close, our analogous to that here is where can people find you? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and be like, hey, Chris, we'd love to hire you for our own digital agency. And I think more important than um, where is who are the right types of people to reach out and actually ask for your help? Yeah, well, obviously, we're in the dental space. So anybody in the dental space would be somebody that we would work directly with. But um, I would be more than happy to give advice for free to any local business or small business out there that might be struggling with a marketing plan. Um, just give you free advice. And I've got a lot of friends in the industry that niche in different um, industries like auto mechanics, lawyers, things like that. But just go to my uh, website, kickstartdental.com. There's a free strategy session button right at the top. I do all of those strategy sessions myself. Feel free to go in and schedule something with me. No cost at all. I'll help you out the most, best I can. And if you need a referral to another type of agency, more than happy to, to give that intro. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll make sure we get the uh, links for that onto our, um, what do you call them? Into our uh, um, show notes for this episode. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's a word for that. I just forgot. Control, delete. <laughs> um, so uh, do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for our audience before I hit this uh, stop record button? I think just take action. Just just make a plan and, and get it done and don't let any, any of the naysayers get in your way. And I appreciate you having me on, Richard. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Chris. Sure.